Welcome to the Jam Session Radio Hour. This is John Landis, your host. We are privileged this evening to be bringing to you uh, part one of a two-part uh, series of interviews that we've done with Baba Israel. Baba Israel is a rapper um, and an artist uh, in various different ways, an educator, um, a leader in his field, really, really interesting guy. I think you'll find it fascinating. Some of you out there have heard him perform. He's performed with the Jam Session at the um, Southampton Art Center. He's performed at Bayburger when we were there. That was our venue. He's also performed in the Sag Harbor American Music Festival in 2019, and hopefully we'll have him uh, uh, as a performer in, in various venues out here again. Um, he's, uh, he's just a fascinating guy, and you can learn a lot in the interview from the uh, kind of his own particular history of um, his relationship to hip-hop and, and the arts in New York. His parents, he basically grew up in the arts. His parents were members of the Living Theater. Uh, you'll, you'll hear all this, but um, some of you may remember the Living Theater from the 50s and the 60s, and then they moved on to Europe in the 70s um, after you know, some brushes with the law in New York, uh, but always provocative, poetic-based, um, dance-based uh, theater group. And... Um, he, uh, he's definitely, although he was born in the 70s, Baba is a child of the 60s in some way because he was raised by parents who were so immersed in that culture and in the arts. Um, and he brings just uh, a lot of inspiring, inspiring information and, 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 and experience to what he does and to his continuing arts. So also a lot of good information about how he's, he and others have survived and thrived in some, to some degree during this uh, difficult period of isolation that we've been in. So here's our interview this evening on the Jam Session Radio Hour of Baba Israel, Part 1 with Baba Israel. So we're very happy to be talking to Baba Israel. This is a real privilege uh, for, uh, for me and for those of us in the Jam Session Radio Hour world. And uh, we've already done a little um, intro before this, uh, Baba. But um, say hello to your audience who knows you out here. A lot of you know you. Well, I, I, you know, I, I want to say a big hello to you and, and to, you know, Clace and the whole crew. And just, you know, just, you know I, I've had some wonderful times and, and some wonderful jam sessions. Got to meet, you know, artists that, that I had met through my father, you know, who I reconnected with in your jam sessions you know, from the jazz scene growing up uh, around the jazz scene with my father. And so, yeah, hello to everyone. And, you know, it's a tricky time, but music and, and creativity is what keeps us going. So I'm glad to be here with you. Oh, this is, this is so good. And like I say, it's a really, it's a real privilege uh, for me. And I've been, um, I can't say I've steeped myself in what you've done. I've only scratched the surface. I mean, the volume of what you have done in your short life already is just um, really remarkable. And we want to talk, we want to talk about that. And, um, and the, you know, you cover so many different genres, but you like, you've got your, you've got yourself in jazz, which is what you've, what you've done out here. And as I've said in the, in the intro, um, we've had, we've been lucky enough to have Baba play with us and also do some instruction at the Southampton Art Center. If you, you know, with, with kids. Including your grandkid, I believe, right? Yeah, Leo. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he's, he's now 10, so he's a year older than your daughter. Okay. But I'm awesome. sure they'd enjoy, enjoy each other's company. Okay, we'll make that happen in the future. Yeah, that would be really good. Yeah. That would be excellent. Yeah. Um, so just looking at your bio on your website, um, you, you've, you've really been involved in performing since you were a kid, right? Absolutely. I, I mean, I really didn't have much choice. <laughs> 
Yeah. You know, I grew up in a theater community. I mean, you know, I, I, I literally, my first four years of my life, I was living in a theater commune, you know, with the living theater. And we were- That was we in were, the city? Yeah, we, in the very early days, it was in Brooklyn. Um, my, my family were rehearsing at, at BAM, uh, Brooklyn Academy of Music, in the early 70s. And they were developing some projects there. They had done a run of shows there before I was born. And so they, they took over a couple of old brownstones in uh, Fort Greene, right, you know, just on St. Felix Street, just a few blocks away from BAM. And uh, Gary Bartz was, was living on the block at that time and all, all kinds of wonderful musicians. And so it was quite a special scene. I don't remember that particular stage. I think I was probably one, two years old. Right. Um, but yeah, so the first four years of my life, pretty much, I lived with a theater company in in Brooklyn, a little bit in, in a loft in Manhattan. And then also in, they did some stuff in Vermont and Pittsburgh. Um, but when I was about four, we settled in the city and my parents left the living theater because they were going back on the road to Europe and they didn't want me to grow up on the back of a, you know, in the back of a van. Uh-huh. So they decided to stay put in the city. Right. Yeah. And uh, so at that point, you said you were only four. I was only right? four. You're only and, four. So you don't have any recollections necessarily of that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think, but did I you mean, have, four, yeah, four, I do have, a, I have little memories. You know, my, my, my parents were very much into kind of organizing community organizing. So they set up like a little play group in the local neighborhood and they turned, uh, this was in Soho in the, you know, this, we, I grew up in downtown Manhattan before it really was what we know it as now. It was, you know, mm-hmm. a working class Italian neighborhood at that time. Um, and then it was, you know, factories transitioning into artists and eventually, you know, it's become what it is today. Um, but I started performing in a, a children's theater company when I was about nine, 10 years old. And it was founded by one of the members of Living Theater. And we did political street theater. So this was, this was actually out in the, in the streets of, of New York. Yeah. Yeah. Washington Square Park. What, do you, what was, do you remember about that? You must, so you were nine or 10 years old. You must remember I, a lot. I played, I played Ronald Reagan. <laughs> We did, we, did a, we did a piece sort of, you know, and we did, a, we did a piece of, you know, sort of criticizing some of Reagan's policies. We did a, we did a piece about consumerism, about environmentalism, you know. So I, I remember, I, you know, I have a photo of me actually with this Ronald Reagan mask. Uh, you know, we did political street theater, right? And Washington Square Park was our main venue. Uh-huh. That, was our, that was our main place. We used right. to play. And were your parents involved? Um, they would, I mean, they always came to support, but the woman who ran the company was a member of the Living Theater. So it was kind of like, you know, part of my extended family in a sense, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, so they, they weren't directly involved, but they were, my mother was the art teacher at my elementary school, you know, and, and my father did get involved with the PTA. So, you know, uh, they, were, they were very involved in my life, even though they were very far out artists, you know, they were not your traditional parents, but they were, they, they really cared and were very present. Yeah, tell us about your your parents. This is so interesting. I think you're sure. Opinion. Well, you know, my dad grew up in Brooklyn. Um, you know, his my you know my my father's family came from Eastern Europe. They were Eastern European Jews. They came from Poland and Russia, um, or Belarus actually. And uh, you know, they were fleeing the my my grandfather was fleeing the pogroms, and he came to New York and established a life in Brooklyn. My dad was born in Brooklyn, and my dad fell in love with jazz as a teenager you know, in the 50s and in the early 50s. And, uh, you know, he, he said that jazz saved him from sinking into the mayonnaise of the 1950s, you know. Mm. <laughs> and he really felt like jazz gave him a sense of liberation. It connected him to just the depth of the human experience and, you know, also helped to bridge, you know, what was a very segregated world at that time. And, you know, he played in a, an all-black Baptist band as a, like, 15-year-old. He played drums. 
um, and, and, you know, got into Max Roach and, you know, you know, when, you know, started sneaking into jazz clubs and then started his own band at 16. Um, and then he, you know, but then he, he went from jazz quickly and got into stand-up comedy and he started hanging out in the village and the kind of coffee house Renaissance, you know, uh, like the cafe Wa and all those mm -hmm. legendary spaces. So mm -hmm. he was doing comedy sets and hanging out with Lenny Bruce and, you know, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think who else was that. Richie Havens and, you know, Bob Dylan and that whole scene. Wow. You know, it, it was such a, uh, an amazing time. And, and yeah. he did a benefit in 1962 at the Village Gate, you know, the great venue, which is no longer around. And he, uh, he it was a benefit. Uh, I'm trying to remember which what the cause was right now. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it had something to do with peace activism. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it was definitely anti-war activism. And the Living Theater performed there. And, you know, he had been aware of the Living Theater because they had a theater at that time on 14th Street. And they were doing a piece called The Connection, uh, which was about heroin and the jazz scene. And Jackie McLean was, it was running, leading the house band in that play. Um, and so he got blown away by the Living Theater and, and joined. And next thing you know, he's completely, you know, immersed in this experience. And, you know, they were doing very political theater in, you know, 50s, 60s. And so they eventually, you know, kind of got busted and arrested and, and then they had to split and they, they were exiled and they went to Europe. And, right. you know, the, the wild story is, you know, Tiny Tim actually uh, serenaded them as they, as they left on a boat. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, he went to Europe and, and that's where he met my mother. My mother had been, uh, was born in Australia. Uh -huh. And she traveled with a woman named Maggie Abbott who uh, ended up later writing a book about Mick Jagger and was part of the whole sort of rock scene in, in London. They left Australia and they went to India and eventually showed up in Italy and then they crossed paths in Amsterdam. And then that's where my parents met and many adventures from then. So and my mother was a filmmaker. Uh, mm -hmm. She was an experimental filmmaker in the 60s. Was she a member of the Living Theater too? She was, yeah. She mm -hmm. she joined the Merry Band. Um, she she ended up going to see one of their shows and then just sort of like got swept up in the scene. And and they were, yeah, I think she joined in about '64. So mm -hmm. they were, you know, in the theater. My dad joined '62, and they left about in about '78. Okay. Yeah. So they had a long run and traveled the whole world. Yeah. Right. So it was around '78, around that time that that's when they went. The Living Theater went to Europe. Yeah, they went back to Europe. They had been in Pittsburgh. They had been okay. doing street theater. And then, you know, they were running out of money because they, they were doing political street theater in Pittsburgh. Not a lot of money in that. <laughs> there's a documentary on the, on the Living Theater. I saw that because yeah. I went to their site and uh, there's probably more. But was she involved in making that documentary? She didn't work on that film. I mean, once she moved into the Living Theater, she really did become more of a stage performer. Both my parents were stage performers. But she did make a film uh, with Ornette Coleman in the 60s, like an hmm. experimental film. Um, in, in, uh, and then she made a film with Allen Ginsberg as well, and a woman named Barbara Rubin, who was a very interesting independent filmmaker at that time. So do you have any siblings? Are you an only I'm child? Only child. Yeah. yeah solo okay. act, as they say. Yeah. So you were you've been exposed from a young age to all these different artists and activists and musicians. Yeah, no, it really the way, was. That's just the way you grew up, and and you and that was fine for you. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a trip. You know, I, I was talking to a friend. I, you know, there's a film that came out recently about the Chicago Seven. Right. And you know, Abby Hoffman, uh, you know, who's one of the characters in that, played by Sasha Baron Cohen in the movie. 
was a, you know, a good friend of my dad's. And, you know, he used to come to our house when he was uh, on the run, when he was a fugitive. No kidding. Yeah. He, wow. he, he we, our house was one of the places he'd come and hang out. Safe and, house. Yeah. You know, That's so, amazing. So I grew up in that whole scene. It's just what I knew. You yeah. Know? I think, I think it, 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 it wasn't until later that I went, oh, wow, that was not, not everyone had the same experience. Right. Right. I mean, did you ever have an experience of like, bringing some friend who didn't grow up in a similar atmosphere into your home and they're yeah, like, yeah, no, there was oh definitely some cultural adjustments, but, but I think, <laughs> I think, you know, but you know, you won't be surprised that my house became the place where everyone wanted to hang out. Of course my, they did. Because my parents were so open-minded and, right. and gave us a lot of freedom and right. had interesting food and played interesting music. And uh -huh. you know, so we, my house was the kind of hangout. It was the cub, the kind of cub house, clubhouse. Does your dad remain a drummer? Well, my dad's passed away now, actually. He passed away. Um, he, he did in the 60s. He played some free jazz um, and he, you know, he got into and he and he worked with a, a composer called Frederick Shevsky mm -hmm. um, and, and they did like a le early electronic improvisational music. But, um, you know, he always played drums off and on. But and, you know, he but he never left jazz in the sense that he, you know, he was in the jazz clubs every night. You know, uh -huh. in, in in the city, he was at the you know back in the day at the Village Gate, then later at Smalls or the Vanguard or Sweet Basil when it was around. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you know, so I I grew up going to jazz clubs from a very early age. You know, and I think it was only you know as a younger kid, I didn't really understand what was going on and I didn't fully appreciate it. But as I got older, you know, I really started to fall in love with the music as well and 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 just feel uh, the expansiveness of the music. Mm -hmm. um, what took you into into hip hop? I mean, I think part of it was just timing, you know, like I, I was born in 74. And so, you know, as when I was coming of age, it was the 80s and hip hop was just exploding in, in New York. And, you know, so, you know, I, there was no way to avoid it. It was on the subways. There was graffiti yeah. everywhere in the subways. There was, you know, B-boys and B-girls breakdancing, you know, out in the street. There was, it, it, you know, it was just it was showing up in my school. Um, and then, you know, I started and then radio, there was a, a show called Mr. Magic's Rap Attack on WBLS. And, you know, I, once I found out about that show every Saturday night, I would just stay up and tape that show and, and, you know, hear this incredible music. And then I, a, a, a good friend of mine who I'm still in touch with, and I still collaborate with, uh, his name is Sebastian or otherwise known as Sibba Jibba. You know, his, mm -hmm. his family knew my family and he was a few years older than me. And so he really became my first hip hop friend. And mm -hmm. in 85, we went and saw, you know, Run DMC and, and UTFO and all these old school great groups. And I just fell in love with it. Yeah, one, two. Taking you back. Baba Israel in the spot, rocking live with the mouse outfit. Come on. Listen Yo, 1985, New York on the map, radio close to the ears, Mr. Magic's rap attack, mind blown in his own, MCs what they speaking, same year, first live show at the Beacon, run DMC, UTFO, Roxanne, Shantae, hip hop my forte all day, make your rhymes beatboxing in my class, they said it was a trend but I knew it would last, Panasonic boombox, yo, Lee's in a tube socks, rock him on a jukebox, high school train to the boogie down, walking blasting hip hop sound. 
Rewind to hear the tune again Vibing off KRS and brand Nubian Soon I'm in a room in university Final rotating Hey yo, spinning the wax A massive vinyl stacks While I'm writing my raps Yo, native tongues for the jazzy vibes. Wu Tang and Cypress to get things live. From B sides and mixtapes to burnt CDs. I learned to MC through it for ciphers and kicking these trees. I wasn't just listening to hip hop, I was listening to me building skills on the streets. Dropped a 12 on fat beats. Glad that I found rap. Hip hop has been my soundtrack for the struggles of life, plus the love of my life. For motivated force, a teacher that kept me on course. A guilty pleasure and source of freedom when my emotions were raw. My devotion is for the core. You can't find in the store, it's a live tour When you can see the sweat pour Off the MC's floor, while a DJ Cut like a saw, it's not the listening It's witnessing when the vibe is pure Yeah, when the vibe is pure Come on, listen Yo, times have changed for better and worse. Everyone is online making beats, writing the verse. It's a blessing, but I'm not denying the curse. Megabytes of weak lyrics and lines, downloads while record stores decline. Some spit to boom back, some spit in the grime. It's all good, it's all beats and rhymes. No more tapes, records, or CDs. When I'm listening to hip hop, cats are cutting up MP3s. But you can't synthesize a live flow, just like you can't digitize a live show. Some cats live, yo, they sound shit. When I'm in the house, I'm rocking hard like the Mouse outfit. Hey yo, I'm born in New York, living in the UK. Keep my skills sharp at the freestyle Mondays. I'm in the loop, DJ. Come on, play the tune again. Working on becoming an honorary man, Cune again. You're listening to WLIW-FM 88.3 in Southampton, New York, Long Island's only NPR station. This is the Jam Session Radio Hour, and this is our interview, part one of Baba Israel. You know, there, the, hip-hop has a lineage to jazz, and so there was something familiar in that, but there was, uh, there was you know, some of the early hip-hop was political as well, and, right. you know, and, and had a real poetic sensibility to it, and, and it also had, like, the stuff I was interested in as a kid, like there was elements of martial arts and science fiction and comic book mythology. And it just was cool and exciting. And it, it, I felt like it, it took me to a whole new world, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I think I started rapping and beatboxing in about 84. Um, we made our first little tape. Uh, I think my first rap was, I'm Baba B, the freshest MC. He's rock box, moving his mouth to the beat of the street. Now we don't got a band, but we got rock box on the mic stand. He can move his hands. You never see me. Something like that. I, I, this is from uh, 84, so. Right. That's so great. <laughs> yeah. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a whole world that's, that, that I'm not terribly familiar with, but yeah. I, I'm so fascinated by it, and it's especially the, the poetry. And 
it's such a it's a merger of so many different things of theater and and music and poetry and dance Absolutely. yeah and um and you've been immersed in it forever and so where do you where do you kind of fall in that whole in what is now such a, a broad culture because you've been in europe you're kind of a pioneer really i mean you started well, in 84 i would say i mean you I were would 10 say- years old yeah, I mean, I would say that I'm like, you know, I'm probably like third generation hip hop, actually, because it, it really goes back to the early 70s. So they're, they're, the pioneers would have been teenagers in the early 70s. So yeah. I'm, I'm like, you know, these days I'm old school. But <laughs> these know? are short generations. I mean, it's we're not true. talking about a full generation. Yeah, so not a full third generation. generation. All that happened in 10 years or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Here we accelerated are. many generations. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. if it started yeah. in the 80s, now this is 25 years later, right? Yeah. No, more than that, that's thir- it's 35 years later. Yeah, well, yeah. So, I think so that's really people, had, a, it's had yes. quite a life. It's had quite a life, yeah. So, I, I mean, you know, I feel, I feel lucky that I got to experience, you know, some of you know be around and, and check out some of the pioneers there was it was also in my neighborhood there was an incredible guy named henry chalfont who uh is a photographer and he put out the first book uh sort of documenting graffiti in new york with um martha cooper another great photographer and you know he his studio was uh, up the block from my house so i would go there sometimes and keith herring's studio as well um you know soho at that time was a it, it was a another kind of renaissance was happening of the downtown art scene and, and hip hop was kind of mixing up with that. And there was the punk rock scene and all of that was kind of mixing up. And it was just different time in that, you know, like I was hanging out as, you know, I, I mean, I, sometimes I think what I, what I experienced as an 11 year old, I feel very protective of my daughter. I mean, I was going out to parties and hanging out till, you know, two in the morning as an 11 year old and, right. you know, you know and, and checking out loft parties in Soho. But Soho was unique because it, it, you could feel safe as a kid there. New York was pretty rough at that time, but because Soho was, was pretty mafia uh, controlled, there wasn't a lot of street crime and then there was just not a lot of people around. Mm-hmm. So you could kind of really, you know, there was like only a, a small community of kids there. So it was a very unique place to grow up. Um, you know, but I think I think for me, you know, hip hop was something that it was it wasn't until probably about the early 90s that I really started to participate fully in the culture. Like I would <laughs> say in the 80s, I was, you know, making beats on my computer. I was writing mm-hmm. little raps. I was, you know, doing stuff in but school. But you were still like you were a teenager. You were I was a, a teenager. teenager. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But around 18, I started performing at places like the New Yorkian Poets Cafe and in the open mic scene. And then I started going to the ciphers where MCs would get together and improvise together. Mm-hmm. And then one of the beautiful things about that is at places like the New Yorkian, you know, there was this nurturing of three different communities coming together, hip hop, poetry, and jazz. So you'd have these nights where you'd have a jazz band as the house band, and then you'd have poets and rappers getting up, being backed by the jazz band. And so, you know, it was a, you know, there was a, and then there was jazz musicians who would come and hang out, you know, and so it was a, like, you'd have different generations getting together. It was right. a very special rare time, you know, where, where you had an intergenerational, intercultural kind of cauldron, you know. Has that, has that lasted? That kind of, um, uh, tolerance is the wrong word, but a willingness on the part of a lot of jazz musicians to participate or is it, or is it now more segregated in terms of? musical well, strains i think it's actually in some ways it's there's like another rena- renaissance happening in the last years and i think there's always been a strain of of music of hip-hop and jazz intersecting and connecting and there's been a consistency with that but i'd say that you know 
if you look at recent albums, you know, from like artists like Kendrick Lamar, he featured some great, you know, uh, young jazz musicians. Like you, you're seeing that, you know, uh, Robert Glasper does a lot of collaborations with uh, the piano player with with with, jazz, with hip hop artists and rappers. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I feel like there is, you know, there still is that that continuity. Um, it's not it's not what's the you know the top forty commercial scene is sure. has ever really embraced, but you know, around the world and in places like Europe, it's been very nurtured, you know, as well, this connection between jazz and hip hop. So, you know, there's a lot that, that they, the two forms can, in, can collaborate and coincide. So because you are, because you're steeped in both, you're at that kind of intersection and your yeah. career, I guess, has, has, has been, um, does that, doesn't, does that put you in a, in a, in a kind of a, a group that is characterized by that? Or would most of most of your peers, you know, frequently have a have an op, an opportunity to play with jazz musicians? I would say that I've I've maybe invested more concentrated time in it and and nurtured it more consistently. Um, but I think there's definitely other I have other peers and folks who who definitely uh, jump in and out of that scene or or you know collaborate with jazz musicians. But yeah, I think because of my sort of family history and just growing up around jazz so much, it just, it feels good to be around jazz musicians, you know? Right. And then, you know, one of my favorite rappers who's someone many people have not heard about, he's, he's kind of like an underground legend. His name is Mike Anon. He's from a group called Freestyle Fellowship who were very influenced by jazz and who worked with, uh, you know, jazz musicians in LA where they're from. You know, I met him when I was 18 and, you know, he was, a, he's an incredible freestyler and imp- improviser and, and, he, and his rhythm is like, very complex. And, he, and I asked him, like, where do you, you know, what's your inspiration? Because he didn't sound like anyone else. And he said, I, I, my inspiration is horn players. Mm-hmm. And he said, I, when, I, when I'm thinking about rapping, I don't think about other rappers. I think about trumpet players, sax players. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that, that always stayed with me. And then when I worked for many years with Jason Linder, the, the great piano player, keyboard player, um, you know, I would, I would sometimes work with his big band, and, you know, I would often follow a horn player and I would use the sort of momentum of the horn player and, and the way that they did solos as an inspiration for how I would freestyle. And it definitely took me somewhere different than being purely in a hip hop environment. And then I would bring that back, you know. So I think there's, you know, there's a there's a long tradition of that, like, uh, like one of the one of my favorite sort of rappers from the you know golden age of hip hop is named Rakim. And he was uh, he was a son of a jazz musician and he played horn himself. And, you know, when he wrote, he said he never listened to hip hop when he wrote. He would listen to John Coltrane mm-hmm. when he wrote his lyrics. So I think there, you know, there, this is a there's a rich tradition of this this connection, I think. I get lost in the mind, come across the rhyme, kick my feet up. Then I find myself in time, I was on a train. Destination Molly Mall's domain. I entertain things that never be the same. DJs will convey it up the label, okay? And Teddy Ted and Special K was the first ones to play it. On the radio with the crazy flow. I pay dues until it pays me dough to do a show. When I'm at the helm, I cover the whole realm. And 
control and leave your soul overwhelmed Under the influence of each and instruments Lyrics make it intricate and elements intense When you was playing Pac-Man, it was the jams I packed Peeps was swarm when I was performing Black or more lack Back before they turned hip-hop to rap It was always a place to party at Remember that? Remember that? I remember the spots that used to be hot, just like the rooftop. A place that only few can rock on a wild ass block. Yeah, you find me there a lot. Until you hear gunshots, that's when the fun stops. It come the cops. Time to go home, getting order. Cause I'll be back in Manhattan if something's happening at the Latin Quarter. House to havoc when it came to 14 carat. And if you had a year, kids to try to grab it. It's cool at the Red Parrot, we was doing it there. I was the first one to rip it at the Union Square. DJ Red Alert did work A crazy concert, a lot of kids got hurt I did encores at the encore They wanted more, I kicked the freestyle True, I heard the crowd roar like the funhouse Bronx Center, never ending black Place to be was the Brooklyn Armory Remember that? Remember that? Remember that? Remember that? Let the crowds in, over 20,000 Wow, and music's loud and microphones growling Tickets are sold out, parties is packed in on tour Ripping basketball arenas back then Even after parties, posses of players and hotties Everybody was gotty, spreading bucks like shotties Spending cash to make a good time last Thoughts that I had, give me a blast of the past Memories of unforgettable times on my mind Dollar signs and melodies and incredible rhymes The people I met and the sets that got wrecked All the mics I checked, most of all life's effects And peace to all the people I grew up around In the streets back when beats had a rougher sound I used to be wild, me and my crew sit back And we smile, keep pals or pictures foul In case I go see now Cause some things are just too good to be forgot Like your neighborhood block or your favorite spot Certain records always seem to make me reminisce And when it hits, and then it clicks Remember this, my life flashed before me I'm near from the sounds I hear I pinpoint the year, it's perfectly clear I like the way it went down and all of that In fact, it mean a lot cause you can't bring it back Remember that Remember that You're listening to WLIW-FM 88.3 in Southampton, New York. This is the Jam Session Radio Hour, and this is our interview with Baba Israel. You're, um, I mean, you're, you're a poet. Yeah, yeah. Your lyrics 
you're a songwriter. Um, I don't know if that's the right term, but you 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 write um, and then you you also freestyle. So Absolutely. is there talk for a little bit about the distinction between something that you write and and then what and then as you perform, you're freestyling because uh, that's fascinating to me. I mean, your mind moves so quickly. Um, so talk about that. Uh, Absolutely, the, what you guys do. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I, one thing I'm probably going to be doing later tonight is working on some lesson plans because I'm, you know, I'm, I work with a lot of kids and I'm teaching students tomorrow morning uh, doing, you know, on Zoom, I'll be doing some virtual workshops and I'm doing a, a project with a great organization called City Lore um, called Homer to Hip Hop. And it's a, it's a project that's looking at the history of the oral tradition. And, you know, most of our human experience, 95%, you know, of humanity's uh, experience has been the oral tradition. Writing is very new. It's a very mm -hmm. new part of our, our practice. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, you know, I, I've always been interested in the oral tradition. And, you know, I, you know, there's a, there's a concept out there called orality, right? There's literacy. And instead of literacy and illiteracy, it's literacy and orality. And it's sort of recognizing that both traditions have great value. Um, so I think for me, you know, people have been freestyling for, you know, millennia, you know, whether you go back to Rumi, you know, the Persian poet, or you go back to, you know, Homer, you know, and the, and the, the epic poems, mm -hmm. those poems were, were not, they weren't composed in a, in the way we think of someone sitting down and writing. A lot of right. them were composed in the moment or, or, or composed inside people's minds and then recited over and over and, um, and then each time they were performed that they would vary a little bit. And so I think there's just something about the immediacy of freestyle and the ability to, it's like a jazz musician taking a solo. It's, it's, you know, it's when, when the jazz musician is playing the composition and the moment they start playing a solo, it's too, you know, you, you, you know, you can feel that difference. It's mm -hmm. something that's being born. There's a spark because it's happening right then. And that, and you're channeling your skill and your emotion and you're just like, you know telling your story um so i think there's i think that immediacy that spontaneity that uh and and the collaboration and that's why i love to work with live musicians because then the then you can respond to a soloist and you can have a dialogue and you know you can music is so much about listening um and and so that's you know for me that's really important that tradition of freestyle and and you know for me it's like important psychologically it's a way that i you know release energy and and you know, um, and then at the same time, I love writing because writing is, is a kind of a crafting. It's like when someone works, you know, uh, when someone is a sculptor and, and, you know, over time you reveal a shape and then you keep changing it or, you know, so I think both traditions are really important to me. Um, and I, and I work on both. I practice both, but they're very different, you know. But when you perform, are you using both? Absolutely. You, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And, and, and like in the same tune, will you sometimes will you alternate back and forth between freestyle and, and something that's already, yeah. you know, that you remember? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes I'll mix it up. You know, sometimes it'll be, you know, I have some songs that I do with my band where it's just set. It's like this is the verse. Right. This is the second verse. This is the chorus, you know, and it's very structured. Um, but, you know, even even in, you know, sometimes even in one of those songs, it's like, you know, in the outro, there might be an improvisation. And, you know, it's interesting. They did uh, some scientists did some research on freestyling and, and also on jazz musicians. And they did sort of brain scans of people freestyle rapping, improvising, playing jazz solos. And they found some very interesting uh, results in terms of scanning people's brains and 
parts of the brain sort of firing simultaneously that don't normally, you know, so there is like a, a special sort of just like when as when people meditate, if you scan people's brains, uh, you know, you can notice you can detect actual changes in the in the, you know, in the brain chemistry. So, you know, there is something that's really happening when you do that, you know, and I think it's, uh, there's something quite powerful about it, but yeah, well, I, I think mean, that's, I, that's, that's something I wanted to ask you about because that's so fascinating to all of us. I mean, that it's something like when you teach, for instance, yeah. and you're teaching kids and you've got, I don't know how many kids you teach at the same time, but I mean, how do you, how do you get a child to get into a space where that can happen for a kid who's maybe life is relatively structured and he's a, you know, he's a fifth grader or whatever. And yeah. his school, his school work is structured and his homework is structured. I mean, how does he make that jump? And maybe it's easier for a kid and it's yeah. great that you're doing it with them when they're young so that they can exercise that part of their brain. Absolutely. No, I think the younger elementary school is much easier. Junior high school gets real tough because people start getting very self-conscious and there's a lot of, you know, bullying and, you know, but I think, you know, it's about, you know, all of this stuff works when there's a sense of trust with yourself and then the trust with your ensemble, you know. So, you know, part of what allows a jazz band to work is that they're, you, that, that soloist is not flying alone. They've got the band there to, to hold them, you know, hold the space for them and, you know, sort of keep everything together. Same thing in, in hip hop, normally you'd have a DJ, you know, sort of providing the back, you know, the, 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 the beat or the music, you know, sort of, you know, giving the, uh, the parachute, you know, mm -hmm. so if, if anything goes wrong, they're going to, you're going to land on your feet. Um, so I think, you know, I really do try to do, uh, you know, different kinds of exercises and icebreakers and things to build a sense of trust when I work with kids uh -huh. um, is very important, but also breaking things down into steps, you know, sometimes we just start with free association, you know, one word, I say a word, another kid says a word, another kid says, we start with one word, you know, Right. Um, so I've developed like different exercises to build up things incrementally, you know, or we might work with gibberish, you know, we just might play around with sound and kind of scat and then there's not any fear of what it means, you know? So sometimes I do an exercise where I tell kids, okay, you, you're absolutely not allowed to rhyme. I don't want to hear a single rhyme. Interesting. And then they just start rhyming because it's like, it's just right. the way the mind works. You right. Know? Um, yeah, so I think, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, those are some of the techniques that I've looked at is like just, yeah, creating, creating, but you know, supportive structures. Do you feel that the way your, the way your brain works as a person who does the freestyling that you do, and, you know, obviously you're very creative, but that, you, that, that when you are freestyling, that you're maybe in more of almost like a meditative space? Absolutely. Is it like oh, it's, that? It's a flow state. It's absolutely a flow state. You're completely in the present and it's, you know, there's lots of different ways to get into that state. It can happen through meditation. It can happen, you know, sometimes, you know, things like when you're cooking or, you know, when you're, uh, you know, different sports as well, it can happen. Um, you know, I, I, you know, we spend a lot of time, you know, all of us have different levels of anxiety and stress. And particularly in this time when, when there's been, you know, such isolation and, and, you know, fear about people's health and families, you know, there's a lot of stuff pulling us in different directions. So, you know, when, when I, you know, that's why I started doing this weekly live stream. You know, I, 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 I realized I needed to, I needed to have an outlet, you know, uh, because a lot of performers right now, we don't, we can't play gigs in the same way, particularly in the cold weather, you know, in the warmer weather, I was doing some outdoor performing a little bit here and there. Right. Um, so I started doing this live stream where I just freestyle for an hour 
And it just, you know, I, I noticed I started feeling better. You know, I started feeling, you know, because I was getting that chance to go into a flow state. And also, you know, I like to, I've always liked to be interactive. So, you know, I respond to what people put in the comments. They can give me words, ask me questions, you, mm -hmm. know, you know, give me sort of, you know, have a sense of input. And that's what really excites me about creativity is that input output piece. It's like, I really, I, I'm, I'm very inspired by connection in that way. Um, so yeah, I think it, it really is. Yeah. My, my, my favorite moments of being in a freestyle, it is, it is very much like a meditative state. Uh, before I, you know, um, you know, we go into an area, can you just tell us how we can access that, uh, that stream? Sure. So there's, there's, uh, three different ways. If you're on Facebook, uh, you can look me up on Facebook. It's Baba Israel and you, uh, you can find me there. Or if you, uh, don't do Facebook, uh, I'll simultaneously stream to YouTube. Um, and under just the, um, under my name, Baba Israel. Mm -hmm. And then this is a bit more obscure, but if, if anyone's in the Twitch thing, I'm also, it also streams to Twitch under mm -hmm. my name. So three and, and are, do these streams remain available or you have to yeah. be on when you're doing it? No, they're archived on YouTube. Archived. Uh, yeah. On YouTube and Facebook, they're and archived Facebook as well. All right. Yeah, and it's Tuesdays at nine o'clock. It's called the lift up live stream. Lift up live stream, and that's yeah. so okay. Tuesdays yeah. at nine, so you can hear it Tuesdays at nine, but you can also catch it later on. Whenever you want, yeah. So, let, <coughs> so let's talk about that for a second because it seems like during COVID, so many of you, you guys, you creative people have are doing that, uh, yeah. making these available, and now it's been you know a year. I know it really uh, has, as, which nobody anticipated. So then you probably started jumping into it relatively quickly but now things are getting more sophisticated or whatnot yeah so your fellow musicians what's happening with them who are are they, i assume a lot of them are doing something some a lot of the same things yeah are you able to collaborate what's have you been able to collaborate what are the forms of collaboration yeah and for I mean, those musicians for those musicians who are doing something similar to yourself yeah has that expanded in some way your experience absolutely collective no. experience yeah, I, I really think it has. I mean, one of the beautiful thing, I mean, one of the beautiful things of a very difficult time is, you know, how, how do you remain creative? And it took me a little while to sort of, you know, I, I've, I've been working with virtual projects and, and I had been actually developing a lot of projects where you had one artist being virtual and one artist being live. And we, we, we you know, it's called sort of telepresence where we were using, you know, stuff like, you know, uh, this was before uh, Zoom really became so popular. We were using at one point Skype and then eventually these other kinds of platforms. So I've always been interested in virtual exchange. Um, and so there were some skills I could bring and I've done a lot of virtual teaching over the years. Um, but live streaming is not something that I really explored so much pre-pandemic. Um, and you know, what I started to notice was that, yeah, I was starting to see friends from all over the world do live streams from their homes. Um, and you know, in, in some ways it really was wonderful because I, I felt like, you know, I was able to watch my friends in, you know, England or Holland or Australia or, you know, different parts of the world, like share songs or do DJ sets or do poetry readings, um, you know, and it, it really did feel like, you know, a sort of a, a community building exercise. And, you know, and then, you know, there, I have these friends called the Bay Area Hip Hop Theater Cypher, and they're a collective of actors and rappers and poets and musicians. And, you know, they started moving their gigs on virtually. And then I reached out and I said, hey, maybe I can come do a set. And, you know, normally it wouldn't be as easy because I'd have to get out to San Francisco. But mm -hmm. now I could just show up on, on Zoom. And, and, you know, and, and so I started to get booked in some virtual festivals and things like that. And, 
you know, I developed my equipment and, you know, so, it, you know, now I've done performance. I did something in South Africa. I did something in Belgium, something in Morocco, you know, so all of a sudden you're performing all over the world from, yeah. you know, your li- from your living room, you know, yeah. or your bedroom or your garage. Um, I, I, so I would say that's been, you know, that's been really special. And, and um, I've done a, I've actually been working on a project with the state department, um, which has been, training hip-hop artists in uh, other countries uh, around how to adapt during covid and so i you know i I did i sort of curated a whole series of workshops where we had rappers and djs and break dancers and um, all kinds of different artists sort of do training sessions on how do you do this Mm -hmm. Um, i would say the biggest challenge is is it's very hard for for multiple musicians to collaborate in real time
Welcome to Hip Hop Jazz, a combination of fusion of cultures, movements, times, sounds. Whether it's rhyme, freestyle, or the sound of a solo on the piano, we just let our soul flow, let our soul grow. We start to combine like instruments, like the saxophone. Take me home, I rap a poem made of flesh and bone. Let my heart reach the zone through the microphone. Each word is composed in a moment of freestyle rhythm. Try to find a vision like the light that flashes, like the sound that crashes on the drunk in the water that splashes in our eyes in the morning when we wake up. Let's shake up, we're not gonna break up. We're gonna relate and find there's no escape, but there is an escape into the moment of the music. So choose it, let it fuse with you. Let it rise into your heart, let it start, that is the art it's not just about the chart what's in the light of the dark it's a spark of inspiration it's following my room and giving the rhythm achieving the breathing and seeking what i'm reaching deep into i want to reach into you reach into me find the reciprocity moving with velocity but we can slow it down to try to find the profound like a pronoun he she everywhere everywhere it blurs and stirs and it's like magic in my cauldron we want to make the magic happen like a wizard i'm transforming and holding up my spine so i can find the warm inside of me on these cold nights I want to find stories in bold flight And I want to do it like that when I start to rewrite Every moment is a new day, a new way, a new possibility When the skies are gray, then find the blue There's no escape, but wait, I can turn I can listen to Bill start to display his skill On that piano tickle of the ivory, the key Then I find it, and then I start to see the empathy When it's looking inside of me, find the energy when I roam And then I can make a poem, my whole life is a new way Of freestyle, improvisation, a situation blaring, reaching So welcome to Hip Logic Thanks so much for having been with us this evening. Uh, we're eager to bring you more information like this, uh, more interviews with jazz musicians and musicians in various um, ways. Baba Israel, certainly interesting poet, musician, hip-hop artist, rapper, uh, educator, uh, even a representative of our, our own State Department and the rest of the world in terms of, uh, of what he brings to his art. Um, and we want to also emphasize that he has played with us and we want to thank uh, the Southampton Art Center for uh, the past opportunity to have been to play with Baba Israel and a band that Cleus has put together with um, with uh, Baba and Ada Rovati and um, 
and others, uh, including himself as drummer. Just a wonderful experience, and we hope that they will continue. Um, we want to also thank others who have been involved with the jam session and involved with this particular uh, dialogue tonight and interview, including in particular Rafael Alvarez, who does the recording for us, and uh, frequently his friend Fernando Valladeres, who um, has helped us with uh, choice of music. Also, Cleus Brandal, of course, our musical director for the jam session. And others with the jam session, including um, Joel Chris, Lou Sherwood, all those who have helped us and uh, continue to help us, and in particular, WLIW FM Radio in Southampton, New York. So thank you, Baba, uh, for having been with us this evening and in future evenings. And thank you all for listening. And stay safe, stay well, help each other. Uh, this is the Jam Session Radio Hour, signing off until next time. Good night. Good night.